0: Hello, this is Gary Rogowski for Splinters, the Northwest Woodworking Studio podcast. Thanks for joining me today. Today's topic is Mastery, the Mastery Program. The Mastery Program is one that's been running now for, who, 20 years at the studio. I started it um, for one student, Matt Cooper. Matt, how are you? Matt should be out of architecture school by now. Uh, He he wanted to go study back east, and I said, "Why, why not study here on the West Coast? Let's set something up. He had been taking classes from me. So I put together a program with local students where uh, for three hours every week we would get together and talk about topics. Um, First very basic stuff on tooling and wood and how to mill lumber and joinery and then into design and that's what the program has morphed into after uh, Matt and Carl and, and David, my first three students, Went through, uh, went through the program. Back then, uh, they would come to the studio for a visit every other week, and then I'd go to their place every other week. Too much driving. But it was fun. It was fun. Those those early years were fun, going out to their shops and uh, helping them through a series of design projects. So that's the way that the program is has been run. The first year is a focus more on hand tools. It's a great way to learn skills, get a sense of uh, how the wood reacts to certain cuts, tear-out issues, unsupported fibers in a cut. All that stuff is very important to learn, and I think learning it by using hand tools is such a valuable method because the feedback is so immediate. It's so quick. You go, oops, <laughs> I screwed up. <laughs> Whereas with the joiner, you can run something through against the grain, and you know, particularly now with the spiral head cutters, it doesn't make any difference. But you take a hand plane to that same board and cut against the grain, and you're going to see a difference in the quality of the cut. Well, you might ask, why is that important? Well, because when the time comes and you're setting in a or doing some shaping on a piece, you need to know about grain direction. You need to know how to cut a piece of wood to get the best results. So that kind of information you can gather rather quickly. <laughs> the mistakes come quick at first. But you you figure that stuff out and you learn how to hold the tool and how to hold yourself. We start sharpening the very first class. I think it's essential. I didn't know how to sharpen my hand tools when I first started working. I wanted to work with hand tools. I just didn't know how to sharpen. So I had to teach myself. And it was a slow method. I use a hollow grind method now to sharpen. That might be worth a a Chat one of these days, the different methods of sharpening. But I taught myself and I teach my students that very first class about sharpening because I think it's that important. Because if you can have hand tools at your disposal, if you can have hand planes at the ready, then that frees you up. You don't have to do everything perfectly on the table saw or the joiner or the bandsaw, or the router table. You can come back to the bench and take a two thousandths of an inch shaving off and fix things. It's great. it It's just great. It frees you up. And you get to buy or make more tools. It's terrific. So the mastery program has run, as I said, for for 20 years, and we focus on hand tool work. I think our second class we're, we're talking about milling up lumber, how to choose lumber properly, and how to, uh, how to use the machines, how to set up. And use the machines. What's wrong with your joiner when you're getting snipe? You know there are things to understand about the machinery. Safety is a is a huge issue. But then, with these technique lectures, I I intersperse talks about design and philosophy. I think that's important. I think it's important when you're at the bench not just to be a head down knucklehead and not be thinking about stuff. Your brain's working. We know that your brain is working, and trying to focus it so that it works with you towards your end I think is important. So now at this point we have three programs that are running. We have a local mastery program, a distance mastery program where people come in three times a year to study with me. Four days in the fall, four days in the winter, three days in the spring. We take the summer off and then do it again. And then we have a resident program. This is a 36-week program of study where students take up bench space in the studio, uh, live in Portland or live at their home in Portland, and come and study with me. This resident program tends to teach more about business skills as well because most of these folks are thinking about doing this as a career, whereas the other mastery programs, I I think predominantly we have people who are interested in doing this fine woodworking as more of a hobby or a secondary income, but they're not going to change their life and and become a full-time woodworker. And many of the residents have, and, uh, that's, and that's pretty great. The business stuff we do is mostly involved with designing and considering products as well as formulating a business plan. I think this is of crucial importance, and I didn't do this when I started. When I started the studio, I did. So 25 years of working, and I never had a business plan. I had no idea exactly where I was headed. I sort of had a vague idea of where I was going. But I think sitting down and saying this is where I want to be in a year, this is where I want to be in three years, this is where I want to be in five years, is important. Putting those goals in your head informs how you take on jobs, how you do the work, uh, what kind of time you spend fussing with some things, and and then say, I can't spend that time fussing with this. Uh, Those decisions are informed by your map. And I think of it as a map rather than as a business plan. But writing out the business plan is is an important thing if, if you are going into business because you can hand it to a banker and say, this is what I'm thinking. It's in a language that they understand. You should do it in a format that they understand, even though they probably won't even read it. and will only read the summary. Uh, it's, it's a valuable thing to do, both to have it for financial reasons, but also uh, for yourself. I think it's useful to do this kind of planning, even though, and here's the critical thing, even though the business plan is obsolete as soon as you finish it. Because your suppositions about the world will be wrong, because no one knows what the future is going to hold. No one could have said three years ago that the economy would be cruising along right now. couldn't be said. No one had that information. And so you don't know when the next recession is coming or the next bubble will grow. You don't know this. You don't know where you're going to be, necessarily, unless you plan for it. Unless you say, okay, in five years I'm going to have a shop out in the country and I'll be close to a major market and I'll have my website and I'll, you know, all of those things, whatever they may be, you'll have those in place. You'll be thinking about them and working towards them. The only way that it happened for me was to sit and plan it out. 95, I, I uh, was looking around the, the city of Portland where I lived and I said, this city's changing. I had no idea how much it would change, but I knew that it was changing and and not for the better for me because as a craftsperson, you know, you're not making big money. So I realized I hell I couldn't afford to live in this town the way I was doing doing things, the way I was running my business. So I went and sat on my butt out in a place called Vermont Studio Center and thought about what I thought the future might look like. How could I create a different kind of future? And I had been on the road teaching at various woodworking schools and craft schools around the country, so the idea of starting my own was daunting, but exciting at the same time. And that's what I took the time to do, was to sit down and plan this next version of my working life out. And um, I think that was... That was valuable. That was really valuable. It hasn't turned out at all like I thought it might have. It has turned out to be so much more work. In any event, the, uh, the choices that I made for myself to start this, this school were really great for me because it's allowed me to go to the workbench every day and keep my hands in that, but also pass this information on. And I think that's valuable. Part of the thing about the program, though, that is worth noting, because some people come in thinking they're just going to get high-level information about tuning your table saw and design tricks and, and, you know, some of that stuff happens. But I I think my goal is also to be informing people about the the value of this work. And the value of this work is not monetary. You hope to make enough money to survive doing it. The way to do that is to kill your overhead. Figure out how to kill your overhead. and That is your biggest nemesis. Uh, particularly if you're living in a major city. Because the, the tech world is, has changed income levels, and with that, housing prices, and with that, affordability issues. You know, Look at the homeless issue, and you, you can see that. It's pretty apparent. And so a craftsperson living on the fringes of the economy, as we do, needs to make certain sacrifices, of course, but also decisions and careful decisions about how to stay alive. And, and the cash flow issue is a big one. Um, and so if you can afford a separate shop space, that's great. Buy a building if you can because real estate is a great buffer against infl- inflation. But if you cannot, then find a place where you can live and work. I think that carries certain elements of isolation. It did for me uh, years ago that were difficult to, to uh, live with after five or six years. So it's great to be in a place where you can interact with people. If you're working with other folks, that that solves that issue right there. Uh, if you have shared so- shop space and can share expenses and equipment, that helps. So there's lots of ways of solving that issue, but I think the overhead issue is the, is the biggest killer. And one of the things we talk about with the business plan, as I mentioned earlier, is the idea of creating a product. You need a product. You need something you can, I don't know, rest your laurels on, set your hat on. I'm looking for the for the analogy here. Something you can get out the door, and it may take one week every month. It may take one month every year. It may take, I don't know, depends on what you like doing. But you have to like doing it. When I started, uh, I decided I would, because I had a radial arm saw and a router. So that's what I had and uh i I made hand mirrors and i have i still have the sander uh a, a wet sander uh that sprays water on the on the uh sanding drum so I can seam the edges sand the edges of of the glass that I would buy in big sheets and have a circle cutter and cut out the glass and seam the edges and make a base and every year i the way I would stay interested, I would bring out a new model. No one knew, I didn't herald it with great advertising campaigns, but I would bring out a new design and I would make a new template. And, and that would be that year's model for my, for my hand mirrors that I would sell at markets and galleries and it kept me going. Uh, and there are many products like that. I think uh, you just have to sit back and think about what people use and how we respond to wood. And once you do that, you recognize there's lots of stuff you can make. And I think having that product really helps with the cash flow so that you can do the work that you really love to do. And that work can change. It can also inform or dictate how your shop is set up. If you become a product maker, if if you become a manufacturer, your shop should be set up just for that purpose so that you're efficient. You may have routers set up and you never change the bit or a table saw with a dado blade on it or whatever. A finishing area that stays sacred as a finishing area and you devote space to it. Those sorts of decisions can occur when you become a manufacturer. So those, those things are a part of the curriculum as well. It's thinking about the, the issues of being a, a woodworker in a world of fast and quick and cheap and plastic. Uh, it's a statement uh, I think it's a positive statement using a renewable resource and creating things of lasting value. I think that has a positive impact on you, the maker, and the people that surround you and know and love you and the people who buy your work. Uh, I think the the value flows from your hands into the pieces if you've put that effort into it. I could be wrong, <laughs> but, but I don't think so. My book Handmade is about the value of that and the value of slowing down in a world that's just going bent for Leather on uh, faster and faster. And how much faster can we possibly go? We're still trying to figure that out. Anyway, the Mastery Program is about slowing down because you're in a hurry. Slowing down because you want to get to the finish line. I, I get it. I'm in a hurry. But I have to remind myself to slow down in order to get there. In any case, it's uh, it's been a wonderful program. We've got this week two distance groups meeting together, a first-year group and a second-year group, and my, my two resident students, and it's been a blast. It's just been a blast because there's so many different levels and of experience, but there's lots of cross-pollination occurring and different ideas and different uh, projects, and everyone goes through the same project, so everyone builds a sushi box, and uh, everyone builds a dovetail box, and so they can share stories. and That makes me smile. I like that. Um, so there are nine pieces that, that get built over the two-year span of the mastery program. The resident program is a little bit different since it's only a nine-month program, nine and a half months. That's a, a little bit different. We do both bench projects and design projects. Uh, bench projects are simpler and you know more functional pieces. We build a, a toolbox. We build a workbench. We build a cabinet for your tools, so, you know, a bench hook, a hand plane, a wooden hand plane. So we build some stuff that you walk away with and have the satisfaction of knowing how to build it and having it in your shop to, to use. And that's pretty great. And then we also do about six design projects. But right now the second-year students are working on chair design, and so they're just staring off into space. It's fun to see. And uh, the first-year students are working on dovetails and a dovetail box. And so it's uh, it's, a, it's a nice crossover. People seeing what the other students are doing. It's, it's been great fun. So check out uh, our website, northwestwoodworking.com. There's information about the mastery programs there, and if you contact me, I'll send you a prospectus on any of the programs uh, because uh, I think it's good fun, and there's a ton of stuff to show you. I do want to point out that our program is, is different from other longer programs around the country in that I'm not promoting a particular design style. My interest is in having you find your own style and... Working towards that, trying to figure out what your style is, uh, what your signature is, and helping you learn how to how to do that best. I'm not interested in having you clone my work because I think there are lots of ways of of solving these these design issues. A chair can be a thousand. There are a thousand varieties of of chairs. A thousand thousand varieties of chairs. Who am I to say it should be done in this fashion? So that's up to you. And I think that's a That's a really fun part of the the program, too. So thanks very much for listening. This has been Splinters with Gary Rogowski. Please check out the website, northwestwoodworking.com. Drop me a note on uh, coffee, and I'd be happy to answer any questions. Be good to yourselves. Take care. Bye-bye.